1: 6:30, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on 6:30, Chad. Nurse, beautiful move to the net, three times, score! and Edmonton completes a dramatic
0: comeback. Kassian left it for David the net. what a shot! Top right corner, unbelievable. Two
1: Flyers draped all over. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630
0: Chad. Edmonton Oilers Captain Connor McDavid speaking at a promotional event in Toronto today. He did not discuss his recovery from that knee injury. Suffered in the Oilers' regular season finale against the Calgary Flames. He was wearing a brace on his left leg and walking with a limp. He had this to say about working with new head coach Dave Tippett. Been around for a long time and, and again, had lots of success. And, you know, coached different styles of hockey. You know, coached offensive, coached def- defensive. And you know, just um, you know, kind of has, uh, has all the tools. Meanwhile, in a game that ended just a few minutes ago, the Newfoundland Growlers have won the Kelly Cup as champions of the ECHL. They won game 6-4-2 over the Toledo Walleyes. Giorgio Estefan, an Edmontonian, who had a great career in the Western Hockey League, he plays for the Growlers. Now, this is an interesting story because they are getting a brand new version of the Kelly Cup. Maybe you've seen this story floating around here the last couple of days. I found it quite interesting. The Colorado Eagles won. won the kelly cup last season they now play in the american hockey league and the echl says that uh, the eagles have not given back the kelly cup they were supposed to give it back in december did you see this kelly uh, kellen i did yeah uh so the colorado eagles say though that they've they've tried to make arrangements to return the cup and that the league has ignored them so the echl went ahead and and made a new trophy which is now currently being given out to the Newfoundland growlers. This, this, is, a, this is an interesting one, Kellen. This is a storyline right out of professional wrestling. Yeah,
1: in pro wrestling. I'm not
0: giving the belt back.
1: Yeah, in pro wrestling,
0: what we would do is like, okay, Colorado signed a
1: contract, and whoever the new champion is signed a contract, <laughs> take both trophies, hang them high above the arena,
0: let's have a, a ladder, ladder match. match. you got to climb up to get them. Right. Anyway, uh, Newfoundland wins the, the, the new Kelly Cup as the Colorado Eagles apparently have the old one. And depending on who you believe, they won't give it back or they're they're trying to give it back. Something's fishy there. That's the, unreal. The league wants the trophy back. So, like, are the Eagles using an, an old email address? They're, they're, you know what it is? There's a lot of turnover in some of these leagues. They're probably trying to email a guy who no longer works for the league, and they keep getting a bounce-back email saying, hey, uh, you know, Dave.Smith at ECHL.com is no longer a valid address. And they're just like, well, we are supposed to give it back to Dave Smith. His emails are bouncing back. Anyway, that's an interesting one. Inside Sports on 630, Chad, with you tonight and tomorrow. On Thursday, in this time slot, we will broadcast Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final between the Bruins and the Blues. It is now tied at two games apiece. And, of course, our good friend, our weekly guest on the show, Kelly Rudy, is with this series on the road. Kelly, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Well, normally, Reed, what is my stock answer? Something like, I'm doing fantastic or just great
1: or looking forward to dinner. You know what, today, bud, I'm exhausted. So I finally made it back to my hotel room here in Boston. And although it wasn't a hard travel day, I think just the playoffs are catching up to me. So I can imagine the players are exhausted as well.
0: Well, it's great to have you on the show again, and yeah, a lot of travel for you and a lot of work hours over the last couple months, so it's always great to have you on the show. And i got to start this interview by thanking you, Kelly, because you gave me an idea for a guest last week when you mentioned former Angels pitcher Kirk McCaskill and his hockey career and coming out and shooting on you, and he's going to be on Inside Sports tomorrow night when I'm doing the show from Remax Field. So how about that? Thank you for that idea.
1: Oh, my God how great is that he's such a nice guy too you know i found that with uh virtually every single baseball player i ever ran into that they're just the nicest guys and uh just they really admired uh our ability and vice versa and yeah you know it, it's interesting so staying on that topic uh i had a night off in uh st louis on friday and i wanted to go uh to a ball game and of course the baseball stadium is right across the street from our hotel in downtown St. Louis. So I went with Elliot Friedman, one of my producers, Brian Spear, and we just had the greatest night. It went into extra innings and uh, that was, that's the way to spend a night off. I'm a big fan of uh, going to a ballpark, having a, a burger, some nachos and maybe a beer or two.
0: Right on! Well, I'm glad you got to go for sure. So yeah, it's going to be cool to have Kirk on the show tomorrow night. Okay, so this uh, this series goes on. I, I said it last week. The St. Louis Blues won't go away, and they they certainly didn't go away last night, tying up the series. Boy, Kelly, watching this series, uh, I love all the body checking that I'm seeing. Uh, you know, I love how every play and every check is getting finished. You know, uh, Rob and I take a lot of calls after games, after Oilers games all season long, and you know, you always have fans say that they they miss body checking. They don't feel like there's enough hitting in the game anymore. And I've thought, well, I hope those fans are watching this cup final because uh, these two teams are not backing down from each other. And there's still a lot of skill, but, uh, man, it reminds me that uh, you need to have that aggressive mindset to succeed in the league still.
1: And it forces you to have some courage if you're going to make a play, right? So I agree with, uh, uh, Rob, uh, you and your listeners that uh, there are nights during the regular season where it seems as though there are very few hits in a game, sometimes uh, I-, I don't think I'm exaggerating much. There are no-hit games, and those can be really tough to watch. But uh, once we uh, get into, I think usually uh, February, March, and certainly when we get into playoffs, and uh, it's ramped up, and I'm with you. I just admire the players so much for how uh, uh, they're willing to take a hit to make a play, and it's not easy. And they're, I mean, the game is played uh, by with such speed that not only do you have to make a decision to make an outlet pass or something, but you have to be prepared to take a hit. And so I really think the way that uh, St. Louis plays, especially on the forecheck, it's awfully difficult for the Boston Bruins uh, defensemen. I mean, they are under siege, it seems. And, uh, you know, this is going to be one of those things. Uh, I don't know who's going to win. Best of three now, but I do know that there's going to be more uh, uh, injuries. There's going to be more losses. In fact, I don't know if this is true or not, Reed, but uh, I just turned on my TV and one of the Boston uh, local uh, news outlets is saying Char is out with a broken jaw. So uh, that certainly would affect the Bruins uh, considering that Grizzlick is out too. I don't know his condition. I don't know if he's close to returning too, but those are two very important defensemen to lose.
0: You know, and one thing that that struck me too, as I've been watching all all the hitting here as we've gone through the playoffs, I, I had uh, Jason Chimera Edmontonian long NHL career on the night before the playoffs, and I asked him about that, how it ramps up in the postseason, and and you got to be ready to get hit. But he, he said, Kelly, he said to me, you know what, Reed, it's you get hit a lot, and it's aggressive. But it's almost a more honest game because you know no one's going to cross the line and do something stupid that could cause a power play that could kill the game and, and kill your momentum in the series. So I, I thought that was interesting. I mean, you might know you're going to get banged around two to three times more than you would in the regular season, but but you know it's coming and it's it's probably going to be cleaner than it is during the regular season.
1: Well, that's a good point. You still get the odd guy that crosses the line like Sunquist did uh, earlier in this series, but... I agree with you uh, that it does seem like a cleaner game. Uh, there, everybody seems to want to finish their checks, but uh, you're, you're you know not often are you wincing. You know, like oh boy, that looked bad, or you know that's going to cost them. And you know there there of course there's going to be a few cases where guys uh, lose their mind just a little bit. But uh, that's a good point that uh, Jason brings up. I mean, he, he was around. He played. Uh, what eleven 1, hundred games, something like that. So, I mean, if he, if he tells you that from a, a skater standpoint that it's a different, more honest game, I gotta believe him.
0: Kelly Rudy, former NHL goaltender, now with the NHL on Rogers, joining us here on Inside Sports. Ryan O'Reilly, two big goals last night, and I gotta go back to to early in the sixteen seventeen season, Kelly, and that that was the year the Oilers made the playoffs, and they started. They started the season seven and one, and uh, their only loss was a was a bad loss to the Buffalo Sabers. And I remember talking to one of the Oilers going into that game, and uh, you know, obviously Eichel was on that team, and Reinhardt was an up and coming player, and uh, Evander Kane was still on Buffalo then. And I was bringing up all these players, and the the guy finally said, "You, you know what, Reed, Like you got to know something here. He may not always get the points, but he goes, Ryan O'Reilly makes that team go. <laughs> and, and, you, and you see him now in the Cup Final. Well, not just in the Cup Final. I mean, I've known he's a good all-around yeah. player, but, 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 man, he's got to be one of the best all-around guys in the league.
1: Yeah, you know, he would be a great guy for young centerman Uh, maybe at midget hockey, junior hockey, to watch a lot of film of him and uh, look at his positioning. The same as it's a clinic out there in this series when you have O'Reilly and Bergeron, two of the smartest guys uh, uh, in the 200-foot game. So I'm up in the uh, suite watching the games, and I'm just blown away by how they're always in the right position. Now, unfortunately for Ryan O'Reilly, um, if he's lacking 5% of energy one night, then his skating sort of unfortunately doesn't allow him to get to where he would like to. And more, mostly it's uh, offensively because he's so good, uh, so uh, dependable defensively that I think he, he puts greater emphasis on that. But, uh, you know, unbelievable knowledge of the game. Uh, I think that when you're a young guy and you come up and you play uh, for Buffalo, or excuse me, for St. Louis or for Boston, and you get a chance to see how hard they work and how they think the game, what an advantage. And you know where it really pays off? When you get younger guys like uh, maybe uh, Sammy Blay. So he's a, a young guy that's sort of making a mark for himself here at the St. Louis Blues. Every day he gets to watch Ryan O'Reilly, and Blay escapes faster. He's a bigger kid so that can only help him kind of like uh, pasternak when he first came he was more uh, a one way player now he blocks shots you know now he hits you know he's not just focused on scoring the goals and i, I don't know if you saw our broadcast last night in our pregame show uh, Read, but uh, we had Wayne Gretzky on, and the player that he highlighted was Pasternak. He loves to watch the way in which he plays, the way in which he creates openings for himself and his teammates, and that's the guy that's really grabbed Wayne's attention.
0: Right. Got to ask you about Bennington as well. Got pulled in Game Three. Just not not a good game for him and the Blues overall. And I know you had the little video pack last night about. Uh, uh, the bump on Rask and, and looked like he said something to the, to the Bruins' bench as well. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe yeah. odd timing when, when you're getting pulled in a blowout loss. But, uh, you know, I guess if you can come out the next game and back it up, then, then, then good for him for doing it.
1: Well, it's you know, it's a quality that he has, and not every player can play like that. And, you know, it kind of reminds me to a certain degree about, you know, not all players could play tennis like John McEnroe, where there was, he had a real uh, hatred. He, he carried himself differently than a lot of guys. Like you know, Yvonne Lendl, certainly couldn't have played that way. He wouldn't have been successful. And, and not everybody can play like Rask, really calm. And that's the, that's the beautiful thing about that position, that you can play it different ways emotionally. And Bennington is a guy that is a chip on his shoulder, and I mean that as a compliment. Last night, I think the two words I used, he has uh, attitude and swagger, and and that's a good thing. I mean, if you can get away with it, as long as you're not doing those sorts of things that it takes away from your performance that night or the next night, then there's uh, nothing wrong with it. Like, honestly, read. Rarely in my life have I ever watched a goalie get pulled and then on purpose change his route so that now his path took him towards the visiting team and right by their bench. That's that's pretty darn rare because you know you're going to get chirped pretty good.
0: Well, this series has been really fun to watch. We had at least two more games of it, maybe three. Kelly, thanks for checking in, man. Hope you get some rest tonight. Look forward to seeing you on the tube in a couple of days. You got it. Thanks, pal. That is Kelly Rudy with the NHL on Rogers. former goaltender, our weekly guest during the hockey season here on Inside Sports. Well, the NHL season will end either on Sunday in Game 6 or next Wednesday in Game 7. That has been a good one between the Bruins and the Blues. Hey, always happy to hear from you. You can text 630-630. The open line is 780-496-0063. You can email inside Sports at 630Ched.com. Blake Dermott is going to chime in on the Eskimos and other things going on in the world of sports between 630 and seven tonight. An in-studio visit from the Plouffe sisters, Michelle and Catherine, hanging them up as members of the Canadian Women's
1: Got your happy price, Priceline.
0: Careers, will find out what's up next with them. Oh, and we got some stuff to give away. We'll do that throughout the evening as well.
1: You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
0: I was talking with Jay Lynn there before the show started. I played Pine Ridge yesterday, which is by Siva Beach. It's a 12-hole golf course so uh, that was fun i know there's a few 12-hole courses popping up in alberta and uh throughout the country as something maybe to attract the uh, the casual golfer a little more or someone who doesn't golf as much i'm glad someone wrote into the text line at 6:30, 6:30, 6 30 uh because i didn't know this but i wasn't thinking about it at the time first ever british open was played on a 12-hole course and that is very true The 1860 Open Championship played at the Prestwick Golf Club in Scotland. That was a 12-hole course. They played three rounds of 12 holes. And the winner, as I'm sure you remember, Kellen. I think we broadcast that tournament. I think so. I think Halsey did a play-by-play. Willie Park Sr. won the tournament by a couple shots over Tom Morris Sr., who went on to be known as Old Tom Morris. Ah, gotcha. So you know how many golfers were in the field uh if I had the ballpark um 20 you're guessing high believe oh. it or not that's a good guess wow there were eight players in the first ever British Open oh
1: cool yeah. okay
0: and uh I imagine the equipment wasn't quite like it is today
1: no titanium drivers back then
0: no I think the golf ball was just a bunch of taped up chicken feathers they just glued <laughs> a whole bunch of chicken feathers together and uh knocked it around so uh yes twelve, 12 holes. So really, if you want to go back to golf tradition, first British Open was was played on a 12-hole course. It th- not, was not golf first, but I think St. Andrews was 22 holes originally, and then eventually they, they made it 18, and uh, they settled on a, on uh, 18 as it is. But, but I, I did enjoy playing the 12-hole track. Really nice course there by Pine Ridge. By the way, right now we're going to give away a pair of vouchers, each one good for an 18-hole round of golf at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. 780-496-0063 Caller number 3 will get the pair of vouchers. 18 holes at the ranch. 780-496-0063 Blake Dermott when we get back. Blue Jays in action tonight by the way against the Yankees. 2-1 Yankees leading in the bottom of the 5th. Prospects are hosting Medicine Hat tonight at 7 at REMAX Field. They play again tomorrow. I'll be doing inside sports tomorrow for REMAX Field. That's going to be fun.
1: is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad.
0: Just got a text here from uh, one of our loyal listeners and a great guy all around, Castledown's Dan, who's done a lot of work volunteering with 630 Chad Santos Anonymous over the years. He uh, said he was so excited to win the golf passes that he dialed the wrong number. And he wound up talking to another gentleman who was very nice. Well, we may have more golf passes to give away throughout the week here on Inside Sports. So, Castle Downs, Dan, or to those of you who called in and weren't caller number three, chin up, everybody. David texting, and he says, Reed, have you tried golfing the Barhead Golf Course? About an hour drive, but well worth it. Less Ferber design, Northern Alberta gem. David, I have not played there. And my goal for the summer is to try and play some new courses or at least courses I haven't played in a few years. Uh, obviously, my my schedule in the summer is a lot slower than it is during the winter. So I, I, well, I mean, obviously you can't golf in the winter anyway, but I can get out in the morning and, and, and play some rounds. Uh, I enjoy playing Riverside and it's also very close to where I live. So that's convenient. My, my buddy has a membership at Devon. So I usually play there a few times. Uh, did get out and play Pine Ridge. Uh, played Broadmoor a couple of weekends ago. I'd actually never played Broadmoor before in Sherwood Park. That was pretty good. Played Colonial in Beaumont as part of a, a tournament, the Treasure Life Tournament. Thanks to Jesse Bouchard for inviting me to play in that. I had played Colonial before in, in Beaumont. That's a good course as well. So many awesome golf courses in the city within a, a two-hour drive of Edmonton. So I'll, I'll try to play a few more new ones over uh, over the course of the summer. And I continue to be a terrible golfer. Yet I continue playing. As I've always said, golfing is it's counter, well, not, counterintuitive isn't the word, but it's, 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 it's illogical. Usually you do things that you enjoy and you're good at in your spare time. Well, I enjoy golfing most of the time, <laughs> but, but I'm not good at it, but I, I keep doing it i 'm not always sure why, but I, I just keep doing it. maybe Blake Dermott understands what i 'm saying about the great game of golf hey Blake
2: hey reed I, uh, you know i I, um, I like playing golf um, i don 't love playing golf um, that 's what I always say and uh, I have a a two handicap my woods and my irons so i 'm i 've been out twice this week, but I will be playing on uh, on friday i uh, I hope the weather gets better but uh, our annual Edmonton Eskimo Alumni Golf Tournament runs on uh, on Friday.
0: Okay, so. well, I, I want to ask you about that, but I, I just to, to wrap up the thought on, on where my mind is at with the sport of golf, and I've gone on long and painful soliloquies on this show that I think was more like therapy for me than actual, actually doing a radio show, but I decided about three years ago I wanted to get better at golf. I took a couple lessons, I invested in some better clubs, got a good deal, and I did get better and Blake I had a score in mind where I said to myself I want to be able to beat this score the large majority of the time and you know what Blake to be fair to myself I now do beat that score almost every time I play but of course now I have another score (laughs) that I'd like to beat every time I play and I can't always beat that so it's like I've improved but I still have told myself I'm not good enough.
2: Well you know I uh I found that uh it's it's much like anything if you're going to be good at it you got to play it and uh uh if I I got to be like 3 to 1 for going to a driving range before I can have a decent score. I have broke 90 a few times in my life. But uh but I I, I mean if remember the first time I broke 90 I shot an 87 but I had 13 three putts. Oh. So
0: well, that's the thing think any round could always be better, right? I mean, yeah. I, I and my one of my goals was was to break 90, which I now think I've done four or five times. So not a lot, but I, but I have done it. But yeah, even a couple of those rounds, I've walked off thinking like, geez, I actually could have shot a little bit lower. But go, golf. Here's the problem with golf: it's a recreational sport that you cannot play recreational, <laughs> re- recreationally, really, because like you said, you have to do it regularly. Like you could find somebody of your approximate uh skill and play squash with them or or play touch football or flag football with a bunch of friends you know find somebody within the same range of ability and and have fun but golf you're you're playing the course and it doesn't matter what course you're playing if you're having a bad day you're having a bad day now where are you guys on friday and who are some of the alumni coming out
2: well, I'm. I i we are at the Lynx. We've, I believe, it's been somewhere like twenty five to 25, 26 years. Uh, we have played at the Lynx, the tournament, and uh, and I, I haven't seen the list, but I just know I'm just from our board of directors. I mean, there's some. Uh, Hector Pache is the. Uh, the uh, Chairman of it rod connop's going to play i 'm going to play uh, um, We have a couple guys that are out of town that normally play uh, um, so i 'm not sure who all the alumni are that are going to be playing today. Ed Jones would play uh, bill manchuk some of the some of the uh, uh, fellows that have been around for a while uh, Eric Upton, some older players. Uh, we do have some younger guys on our committee but i 'm not sure of the list, so we usually get there's usually about 20-25 alumni that are around the tournament during the course of the day and Because uh, there's an awful lot of, there's, uh, surprisingly how many big guys go, i never played golf in my life. So
0: <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, Blake Dermot, our Eskimos analyst, joining us then on Inside Sports. You're going to be hearing a lot from Blake on this show throughout the summer and, of course, during all our Eskimos broadcasts as well. So uh, preseasons, I mean, the Eskimos played both their preseason games, I think before six CFL teams even played one. So they, they had a bit of a f- uh, funny schedule with that. They beat BC they lost to Winnipeg. Blake, I, I got to say one thing has really struck me uh, over the – over the even in the six years I've been hosting this show, I think. I mean, it used to be, okay, your starters, your starting quarterback, they might play a game or they'd play, you know, the majority of a game. But now it seems, you know, Trevor Harris played, what, a quarter plus a possession? We saw a couple of the new guys on the Eskimos defense uh, not even play – at all. Uh, I know I had a couple uh, people in my neighborhood. I was talking football with saying, I can't believe Riley didn't play the game here. And I'm just like, well, why would the Lions? Uh, so I've, I've kind of like, well, what's, what's going on with these preseason games? I mean, what are we, what are we really getting out of them when so few of the big names don't even see the field?
2: You know, it's interesting uh, that when, and you and I talked about this earlier today, that uh, the, uh, when I first started playing, we had four exhibition games and I played in every game. And, uh, um, and then, then they got rid of four exhibition games and went to, eight, uh, to two exhibition games. I think it was 1986-87. And uh, just uh, uh, listening to the radio tonight, uh, they, uh, the NFL is uh, talking about maybe not playing as many exhibition games, maybe cutting a game back, possibly two back, and they're talking about maybe going to an 18-game season much like the CFL is. So, and, and a lot of it is because of the wear and tear on the players and uh, you're know, shortening up their training camps. And what, what the teams used to be, when I first started again, you know, like I, I hate saying when, uh, when I played because it sounds like that was the way things were good, but not necessarily. There were still players that used training camp to get into shape um and um and and that's not the case now this is a year-long commitment this is a business this is a uh, a uh, a profession that that people take very very seriously so when they come to training camp they're in they're in fantastic shape and uh and and so so the the um, the, the teams used to use this as a way to ramp up and, and get yourself prepared to start the season the the teams are not looking at it this way because you've really only got a little over two weeks of, of preparation time so so what they've got to do is the, the coaching staff is using that time to make decisions on players and and when so if if they look at you uh, through your performance in camp and everything else as you're being clearly ahead of the the rest of the pack they don't need anything else they don't want to risk you getting d- damaged or injured in a game so so what ends up happening is that those players like Mike Riley, uh, like uh, Trevor Harris, who had two series in the first game and then didn't play the second game. Um, those kinds of guys are are not seeing a lot of reps in, tra- in in the game situations because the coaches believe they don't really need them. They don't necessarily believe that they're going to get better or you know at their stage of their career and everything else. They don't need to to see them in a game. They they know how they're going to play in a game. They need to get more reps, and they get lots more reps when you're in practice. And so, so they use those games as an evaluation for young players, and that's or players that are on the bubble, and that's the difference between now and the way it was even five years ago.
0: Of course, uh, Anthony Parker, one of the Eskimos' free agent signings, uh, Canadian receiver, the uh, dreaded torn Achilles in the game in Winnipeg, so uh, he's out for the season. So that's going to affect uh, how they look uh, look at receiver for sure. And, and I mean, that's the thing, right? You, a guy like that that gets hurt done for the season and uh you know parker i mean he's not saying he's old but he's at the point of his career blake too where you wonder is is he going to see the field again right or when he maybe tries to break into a camp next year is it just going to be a younger and cheaper canadian receiver that the teams are going to favor
2: yeah no, that you're right anytime you get pushing 30 years old and you get an injury of that nature where where you literally lose a whole year of your career and then, and then we know what kind of, uh, especially in the position that he's in, the, the you know the speed position, that agility position, that uh, that he's in as a receiver and a returner. Um, if if you lose a step, well, then that's you know there's always going to be somebody younger and faster than you, and uh, and that that will eventually happen anyways. But when you throw an injury into the mix, then uh, then a lot of times for a lot of guys that spells the end of a career.
0: All right, Blake, uh, look, I, you and I w- wind up talking about a lot a uh, lot of stuff uh, often when we're off, Mike, too, about other things going on in the sports world. But th- this is a fun time of year with the uh, Stanley Cup final and the NBA finals going on. It, it, it's really cool hearing a lot of people talking about And look, I, there's a lot of people who have been Raptors fans for a long time. Uh, there's a lot of casual fans. And I've also talked to a lot of people who who are literally watching entire NBA games front to back for the first time in their lives and, and learning about members of the Raptors and, and even members of the Warriors in some cases. So a, a lot of mix of fans. Uh, I, I know you're a pretty well-rounded sports fan. Give me, give me a little bit of your thoughts on the NBA Finals. Obviously, Durant's not going to play game three. Uh, for Golden State, though, that didn't slow down the Warriors in their Game Two victory.
2: Well, I, I think there's uh, possibly a couple of other players that might not play for Golden State. Uh, one of the big fella that I can't remember his name now. Uh, it was in. Um, he got hurt. He's got some cracked ribs in the game. Um, he's out too, and uh, so they've got two guys at least. And, um, and Clay um,
0: Thompson might not be able to play. Clay
2: Thompson is another one, the third one that may not play. So, so yeah. So you have got one of their big men plus Clay Thompson and KD uh, are, uh, that may, may be out. There. And and you know the, the thing is, is that when I watched that game the other night, um, and I played basketball in junior high and that was it. So I am not an expert on basketball. Although I did coach my daughter when she was ten years old in basketball, and I still was not an expert. <laughs> but, <laughs> the Raptors had a chance to win that game, they just, they just didn't shoot very well. When you look at the amount of shots that they had, and the amount of misses that they had, and the amount of turnovers that they had in that game, I think at one point they had given up in the game that they won, they, they, they had 10 turnovers, and at, in the third quarter they, they were already at 14. So so that's the part of the game that they've got to clean up. But that's easier said than done when you're, when you're playing a team like uh, Golden State. I mean, this is a team that has been built to be a, uh, a championship team, and they've had so much success in the past. And when you get that kind of success in those dynasties, you just get this feeling that no matter what's going on, you got a chance to win the game. And when you play against a team like that, this is much the way it was with the Eskimos when they were five in a row, teams would come in, and they'd be ahead of the Eskimos, and they just would, okay, when are they going to kick in? And, and they would start to self-doubt. And they were their own worst enemies. And until you beat that team, until you find out that they are – they're human uh, they're not and uh, and the Raptors I think at some point in that game were, were almost satisfied that they got the first win and I don't want to say that because I, I, I don't I don't believe that it was that simple, but they just didn't do enough. They just didn't play well enough, and I and I think that they at maybe at some point were going okay. Well, at least we got the one game. Well, they gave up a, an opportunity to win both of them, and uh, now they got a chance. The next game, they got with the with the injuries, they got a chance to get, to get that back. But uh, I'm I'm enjoying watching it, and uh, I'm uh, I've been to a couple of NBA games live down in Phoenix, and uh, I'm a fan of the
0: sport uh looney the guy the other guy you looney, gonna that's for right. the warriors that they won't be able to play uh they're calling it a non-displaced cartilage fracture on his rib cage he's out indefinitely but but I, I love how you mentioned that how certain teams have an aura and i mean the warriors and the raptors have obviously never played in the playoffs before they only play each other two times a year in the regular season and the raptors actually won both this season but but you're right, that, that self-doubt and that aura and that, well, are, are we ahead by enough? Well, what if what if we make a mistake? I think even in the NBA Finals, that still creeps in. And, you know, I, I've enjoyed watching the, the, the NBA Finals because, I mean, Blake, there is, at least not with these two teams and, and probably not in the NBA much anymore, there is very little, unless it's late in the game and you have the lead, there is very little. Let's use the entire shot clock and slow the game down. I mean, there there is just none of that. I mean, ha- half the shot attempts are three pointers. You know, the big men can shoot three pointers. I mean, thirty years ago, you didn't it, like. It's 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 a it's a very up tempo, very skilled game. A lot of all around athletes.
2: Yeah, no. It it uh, and the thing is, is that when you uh, you see it on TV, and uh, unless you've ever seen a game live. Um, because seeing it live is, if you enjoy it on TV, you'd love it live because it's just non-stop action. But one of the things that uh, in, in watching uh, um, the, the games down with the Suns were playing, uh, we got to see Steve, Na- Steve Nash play a couple times. And, uh, and the thing that I took away from that game was that Steve Nash looked like a baby out on the field. And he's the same height as me.
0: Right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> These guys are absolutely giants. And the way they can move and the things they can do, it's, it's so impressive. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's six foot three and he looked like a baby.
0: Yeah, well that's the, that's the amazing thing about the NBA that the shortest guys on the court would be the tallest guys in most most workplaces for example, right? Like yeah. it's it it's it, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Uh, speaking of guys with an aura around them, uh, it sounds like Zidane Ochara has a broken jaw for the Boston Bruins. I know Kelly touched on that in the last half hour. And and that was one where we're going into the series Blake, you know, some some people making predictions thought, well the Bruins have that aura, uh, but man, the, the Blues won't back down. Kelly Rudy and I talked in the last half hour about what a physical series, I mean, I just love all, all, all the body checking, and, and it's got an incredible pace to it as well.
2: Yeah, no, that's, it. that's another series I enjoy watching. I mean, I, growing up, I was a Boston Bruins fan, so they've always been a team that I've had a lot of interest in, and uh, you know they're their their toughness is uh, is something that has got them to where they are now. I mean, they had uh, they've got a certain amount of skill, but they they look like a bunch of clones. You know, I know they they have the perfection line with those with those three guys, and they none of them are are bigger imposing, but they play the same way the fourth line guys play and they they are just uh coming at you and coming at you and then then you look at Saint Louis and you you know going from worst to first uh, you kind of you know that kind of a season where they were worst and and now they're playing for first and and they're just bigger. And they have uh they seem like their team is on average, I don't know, five pounds bigger, maybe a half an inch, you know, they they're just a bigger version of the Boston Bruins and there is no there seems to be no quit in either one of them. And I think what's gonna end up happening, much like the series in basketball, the same as in is in the hockey, is that it's gonna come down to you know, who can who can stay healthy. And right now with the loss of Chera uh, I think that hurts the Bruins a lot, and uh, they're already down another defenseman, and uh, Corelli, I believe, is, is they're down so with the concussion, so that puts that puts them in a situation where, you know, when I'm St. Louis, I'm dumping it in the corners of the defenseman, and just going beating the crap out of them like they've been doing for the last couple of games, and, and they've been doing through this whole playoff run. Uh, those big bodies just, uh, you know, making the, the Bruins try to move the puck quicker, try not to, you know, uh, turn it over, and, and wear a team down, and, and and much like you know, they say the the jab and uh, or the body shot in, the, in a prize fight in the first round, it isn't about knocking a guy out in the first round. It's it's about how the guy's going to react in round number seven because you've you've done that so many times, and that's what St. Louis is doing. And it it uh, you know, if this continues on, if Boston doesn't bounce back in this next game, I think it's going to go St. Louis's way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I picked Blues in seven before the series. It, it's been a lot of fun. Blake, it is always fun having you on the show. Uh, it's going to be great talking Eskimos and CFL in the, in the spring and summer here as we get rolling. Thanks for your time, buddy. We'll see you soon. Uh, looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, Reed. That is our Eskimos analyst, Blake Dermott, checking in tonight inside sports on 630 Shed. Yeah, fun watching these series. Uh, you can text 630-630. Is, is this the most NBA basketball you've ever watched? During this Raptors run, or have you been on board since, like Navbadia since, since nineteen ninety-five? Because I, I, actually, you know, I got a lot of co I, I got buddies, you know, you know, my parents are, are big sports fans, but they've watched more NBA than they ever have before. You can let me know by texting six thirty, six thirty. Quick timeout. The another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help.
1: Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins on 630
0: Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, bottom of the six. Blue Jays leading the Yankees 4-2. David says, Reed, I've been a huge NBA fan for 20 years. I can't stand the Raptors. Go Warriors. And Jared says, Rita, I haven't watched basketball since the Bulls dynasty, but since Leonard's Game 7 buzzer beater, I am hooked. A couple of texts to 630, 630. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll get more into uh, the Raptors, what it could mean for Canadian basketball with uh, Edmonton's Plouffe sisters, former members of the Canadian women's national team. They've decided to retire from that, and they'll also fill us in on what is coming up. In their careers as well. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. They have their brunch, Northern Chicken style, buttermilk biscuits, sausage gravy, smashed potatoes. Sundays, 11 to 2. Visit NorthChickenYEG.com. Back after the news. Thanks for tuning in. 6:30, Chad. Inside
1: Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on 6:30, Chad.